damn it, James. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, we gotta get we gotta change this up. <laughs> we really do. No. Why not? No. You, you know, in and music to my ears. Huh? Music to my ears. Yeah, your ears, not mine. <laughs> so welcome to the Danny and James show. Um my name's Danny. We got James. Yes, sir. Yeah. Hoorah. <laughs> what is it? Hoorah. What is it, Jason? No, 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 no. We all, we all, hey, we also got a special guest, uh, Rick Thibodeau via uh, FaceTime uh, from Germany. From Germany. Yeah. Go ahead, uh, Rick. What, what do you, what you got going on over there in Germany, huh? Well, I'm, I'm career army, so uh, I'm going to go with Hua. Hua. Okay. There you go. See, we finally got one. We finally, <laughs> finally. got one. Finally. I love it. So, Rick, um, when were you in and what was your MOS, bud? So, uh, so I enlisted in uh, 1989 in the reserves. I was uh, I was headed to college. I was just graduated high school, as you know, because we yep. were really good friends senior year. Absolutely. Um, I, I knew I was I was headed to college, Franklin Pierce College, now Franklin Pierce University. Right. Uh, wasn't right. sure exactly how I was going to pay for it, so I thought, well, you know, I've always kind of wanted to join the military, but kind of wanted to also go to college. So I thought this is the way I can kind of do both. So I joined the reserves to help pay for college. Um, I went split option. I enlisted originally as my MOS was a 31 kilo, which is a wire dog. Wire and the only dog. reason I chose, you know, the only reason I chose that was because it came with a $1,500 bonus, which, you know, when you're 18, it's like, oh my God, $1,500. Bucks. I can go buy a, I can I can buy buy a, a lot of beer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or a lot of beer. So, <laughs> you don't have to go to Redona's uh, Farms for beer. <laughs> where, where, where would we go buy beer? Right there on 102? Man, they have video. Well, right I, there. I just, yeah, my, my dad was, you know, my dad was a big drinker, and he always had cases and cases of natural light in the cellar, so I just tipped into his. And he, he natural lights. Oh. Natty lights. What would you, you call them, natty lights? We just called them natty lights. Natty light. lights, yeah. You didn't have a special yeah. name for them? No, I mean, you know, you didn't, that was when we first started drinking, at least me anyway. I didn't really start drinking until my senior year of high school, so yeah. we had all parties at, at Barb Taylor's house, me and Randy and, and uh, Barb Taylor and Cheryl Waters would come over. So, yeah, so, I, you know, that's when I first started drinking. I didn't know any better. And then, of course, four years of college, you got to get by. You got to get you know as drunk as you can, as cheap as you can. So it was always, uh, you know, the Keystone Lights, the Milwaukee's best, the, the Tall Boys. We called them. Later on, we called them Sergeant Majors. Uh, yeah, that's a new one yeah, for us, Sergeant Majors. That's yeah. a, we'll, yeah. we'll put that on the list. Got to go on the yeah, list. Yeah, those are the those are the those are the sixteen ounce ones. Yeah, and in college we called them Tall Boys, in the military yeah. we called them Sergeant Majors. Okay. Um, yeah, and then it was you know Keystone Light. Uh, I mean, just Knickerbocker beer, red, white, and blue beer, stuff Jeez. that you never even heard of. You know, stuff you don't yeah. want to touch nowadays. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's funny because I remember. Here's the funniest part is that I remember when I graduated and I started working a little bit. I was like, "Oh, I'm making money now. I can buy some good beer." Right. And I, for me, good beer was like uh, Michelob Light. You know, <laughs> Mick Light. Or I, I mean, I love that regular Michelob. That straight up yeah. old school Michelob. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Man, I, I like that stuff. But you can't get that anymore. So you you went in what eighty nine in the reserves. Went and did yeah, eighty nine in reserves. I, I just put option, which means uh, I went to my freshman year of college and I did basic training. I came back my sophomore year, then I did AIT, which is our job school. It's advanced individual training is what the army calls it. Right. AIT, uh, and then uh, and then I did my my I did the whole string in the reserves. Uh, I got out. Well, I didn't really get out. I went to the IR, inactive ready reserve. They call it. I think. Yeah, yeah. And then I was I graduated college. I was working on real kind of a dead end job doing sales and advertising. wasn't enjoying it, and so I said, I said, you know what? I sort of had an epiphany. I said, I'm kind of going nowhere. I want to, I want to travel. I want to get money for my master's degree and change careers. I called the Air Force. The Air Force wouldn't take prior service because I, I was in the Army Reserve. They wouldn't take me. So I ended up going Army. I went active Army in 1998 and uh, went to Germany and been in Europe almost the entire time since. Good for you. Yeah, between 1998 and, and the present day. I've only been in the U.S. about two and a half years. The rest has been all overseas between Germany, Italy, and Korea. So Wow. Now, in the military the whole time, or did, did you get out and now you're a you know, civilian no, so contractor? I, yeah, yeah I, I went to Germany in 98 as a soldier. Uh, transferred to Italy as a soldier in 2000. I did four years there. Uh, I got out in 2004 and uh, worked for a year as a contractor there. Uh, then I switched to a GS, which is a, they call it general schedule. It's like a, a department of defense civilian, like a federal civilian. Yeah. Yeah. I, I transferred to that in 2006 up in Germany. And then I've been a, I've been a department of the army civilian ever since then between, I went from Germany to Italy and back to Germany and Italy and then the States and then just Korea. Like, and then 
yeah, all over the place. You know, one of the things we do talk about on the podcast is, you know, especially James and I, when we got out, there was there was nothing there for us. We were like, you're out. You know what I mean? I was out in, what, 94? You were out in 2000. 2000. You know, hey, here's how you write a resume. Good luck. Bye. You know what I mean? So it sounds like, you know, you were able to transition from the military into into DOD without an issue. And I, and I guess a lot of people do that type of thing, you know, and become contractors. You know? And so yeah, was so the I, transition I, easy or... I, 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 I'm, I'm extremely fortunate. Um, the army, like I tell my kids, I, I if you want to go military, I'm, 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 I'm going to support you no matter what, but if you can try to go air force or Navy because they have the best job training. Um, there aren't, I mean, I love the army. It's given me everything I have and I, I don't like to bad mouth it, but the army is not really big on job training. Right. However, I just got lucky. I just, I happened to, when I went to Italy in 2000, I happened to just sort of, by chance, fall into a job uh, working on a, on a pretty high-tech system. Um, it's a system used by all the services in the DOD. It's called JOPES, J-O-P-E-S. Most people hear it, they're like, oh, JOPES, you got JOPES. No, it's J-O-P-E-S. It stands for Joint Operational Plans and Execution Systems. It's an operational planning thing. It's like it, it deals with deployments of units and stuff like that. And I, I liked it. I, I, I enjoyed it. It was, you know, it wasn't, you know, the, just the, the mind-numbing stuff that I had done before in the Army. A lot of attention to detail, yeah. working at a really high level with high officers. And I was good at it. I was kind of a natural at it. And so I, I stuck with it. And so because it deals with, you know, deployment of, of, of troops and, and cargo and personnel and stuff like that, at the time when I got out 2004, you know, the, the wars were raging, OIF, OEF and stuff like that. But yeah. there was a really, it was like a huge need for, for what I did. And so I was able to just basically walk right into a, a you know, pretty decent civilian job. And I, and I say I'm lucky because I, I, I remember in particular there was – I still had to transition out. You had to, you know, go to the transition center and do all the – check all the blocks and do yeah, all the paperwork, yeah. even though I'd already had a, a job waiting for me as soon as I got out. And I remember there was uh, – the base that I was at is the home of the 173rd Airborne Infantry, one of the most decorated units in the, in the government warrant there. And uh, a lot of good friends, you know, uh, in the unit lost some of them, you know, some, many of them still close with to this day. Right. And I remember there was a handful of, of uh, soldiers that were, e that were also getting out of the army ETSing, we call it. And, uh, they were in there as well. And I remember I felt, I, I, it was a whole range of emotions. On one hand, I felt almost guilty yeah, because they're talking to these kids and these are airborne infantry kids and they're getting out. And it's like, they're talking to them about what they're, you know, they have no idea how to write a resume. They're right. talking about what they're eligible for. And it's like, security jobs, this, this, and that. And I'm thinking, God, these poor kids, they put it, they gave everything on the, on the line. I mean, these guys did the freaking combat jump into Iraq. Yeah. You know, they were out there in the shit, you know. How does that and, translate? And I, I almost, and I don't, I don't know what, I know I don't, obviously I don't know what they ever did. I didn't know them personally, but it just, it, it, it almost makes, it almost made me feel guilty because I'm like, I, I was able to land this highly, you know, yeah. kind of technical job where I was able to get a good civilian job, but these right. kids really put their necks on the line and, yeah. You know, there wasn't really a whole lot that that translates into besides maybe, you know, police yeah. or security yeah. jobs or stuff like that. So, yeah, and that's what we talk about. I, I, I consider myself lucky, and I, I've never forgotten that. So Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, James brought that up a couple podcasts back is like, you know, a lot of them do translate into, you know, the sheriff's office. Sheriff's, any, any kind of law enforcement. Yeah, or even fire. Yeah. You know what I mean? That that type. So, I mean, there are options out there, but it's like, God, it's just, it's just tough. It really is, you know, so... Now, Rick, you know, one of the things we do like to talk about here is, is, is we all have, I don't care if you, you, you know, if you're reserves or whatever, you've been to boot camp, you got a great story, you know, right? Oh, boot God. Camp. Everybody's <laughs> got a good boot camp, camp story. <laughs> so we, we're going to, we're going to ask you, man, you got a, you got a, you got a good boot camp story for us? Oh, Jesus. Do I, I have several, uh, uh, I, I remember a few podcasts ago, you, I don't remember who it was on it, but you guys were talking about the uh, the gas chamber. Boy, that was a good one. I never yeah. forget that. That's something I'll never forget. Yeah, that was. Uh, I, I remember my uh, one of my the, one of the one of the one of the best stories. It wasn't best at the time, but right. Uh, you know when they? I don't know what you guys call it, but you know the the first day. So hey, James, you 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 probably went to this uh, the movie um, uh, Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. Yes. You remember the first day when everybody's lined up and he's going and he's picking on everybody in, in their face and stuff like that. Yeah. Yes. So we had. 
so we had something similar to that. We called it a shakedown. That's right. its first shakedown. day of shakedown. So yeah, when no I went shakedown. through, it was, uh, yeah, when I went through, it was, uh, it was, our company was huge. I was, like I said, I was split options. So I went in the summer in between my freshman year and sophomore year of college. So our company was like 200 and almost 250 people. It's huge. It was swelled up. And so we, uh, they, what they do is they line the whole company up and they, you know, the first year out of attention, they call you to parade rest. And then what they do is they go around and because there's so many of you, they can't get everybody. So they just kind of pick out a handful of, you know, a few people at random for whatever reason. Hmm. And then you just, they just get all over you. Well, I got picked. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Lucky 200 you. and some odd people. Yeah. I got picked. You have that face. I'll never forget what I got picked for. You, so, you know, you know, when you stand at parade rest, you know, when your elbows are flared out, right? Yeah. Well, there were so many of us, and they had us packed in so tight like sardines that you couldn't go to a true parade rest because there was no room. You were literally already shoulder to shoulder with everybody. So my elbows were, when they were flared out, they were like behind the guys next to me, you know? So the drill sergeant comes up to me, and he goes in front of me, and he sees me, and he, he's like, you know, hey, you a pussy boy? And I'm like, I'm thinking, what the hell is he talking to you know, you're, you're, you know, I'm terrified and don't forget i i just come off freshman year of college or i was, I was you know drinking every night and this yeah. and that and all of a sudden <laughs> so and i'm like what is he talking about where's he going with this and yeah. he's like why are you hiding behind the man next to you boy you know and i'm like and i'm just like what? and then it dawned on me i'm like oh because my arms are behind theirs and i'm like what what the hell does he expect me to do he right. got a shoulder to shoulder mm-hmm. you know so he pulls me out and he friggin he smoked the hell out of me for a good 20, 20 minutes, 20, 25 minutes. Get up, get down, push ups, yeah. flutter kicks, this, this, and that. I mean, I, and again, I was, I was basic training, so I'm all out of shape. I spent the last year friggin, you know, drinking, and yeah, doing nothing, doing no exercise, you know, breathing. So heavy. he just smoked, yeah, uh, he, he smoked the hell out of me. And I, and I, so, and then he, then he finally, he says, okay, you know, get up, get back in line, soldier. So I get up, I get back in line. The next thing you know, they call the whole company to attention. And the first sergeant gets up there, and he smokes the whole friggin' company. Oh, yeah. So it was like <laughs> I got a double smoking. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so by the time that, and I I mean, I, I'm just like, I'm like, I can't. I'm, I, I'm like, I can't. I, I give up. I'm like, I can't even friggin' stand up. Yeah. So I did the one thing, when they finally put us back at attention, I did the one thing that they preached to you from day one, you're not supposed to do. And you know what that is? Don't lock them knees. Don't lock them knees. But I couldn't stand up. My yeah. legs were friggin' jelly. Oh, I mean, my no. legs were like shaking. I, I couldn't stand up, you know? So I locked my knees just to kind of hold myself up because I'm terrified. I'm like, I, yeah. I, can't, I'm like I, can't, I can't fall down my first day of basic training. You know, I'm going to be marked for basic training the whole time, you know? <laughs> right. Sure enough, I locked them knees. And oh. a few minutes later, I, all I remember, I was listening to first start. Next thing you know, I got this drill sergeant Rodriguez, this Puerto Rican guy, grabbing me by the thing, and he's got one of them big uh, five-gallon five water things pouring it right on my face. Jeez. And I'm like, I'm like, feel like I'm drowning. I'm like, Look, I didn't know what I was. Getting waterboarded. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know what the hell I was, you know. And he grabbed me by the shirt and he's pulling me up and he's like, "Don't pussy out on me first day, private. Don't pussy out on me." And I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm not gonna pussy. Yeah, right. I'm not gonna pussy out on you. I didn't even know where I was, you know. Yeah, so yeah, that was. That's the worst because you probably went face first too. You just probably, you, you know what I mean? Because I've seen dudes well, fall out like that when they're locking. No, out. well, it's funny you say that. I got lucky because when they. When they uh, when they put us all in line, the first thing they do is you got to drop your duffel because you know you're marked in there. You got your duffel on your back and okay. your, everything else. So you drop your duffel behind you. Somehow I don't know if I was conscious when I was doing it or what, but somehow I passed out. I fell backwards. Oh, you got lucky. So I actually, when I passed out, I actually fell onto my duffel bag. So you're right. If I didn't face first, shit. Yeah, I seen my dudes. face probably wouldn't be as pretty as it is today. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah I seen dudes go straight face boom. Busted nose. I mean, I'm sure you see yeah. that. Yeah, a few. You can't lock it. You can't no. lock them. No, no, no. Yeah. You, you know, you mentioned yeah, shakedown. You know, and we we didn't we didn't have you know all 250. You know, you you were in the what we call the dorm, right? In these first couple of days, and that's when they take your luggage and they throw it around they, all over the place. And there's always dorm. those jet. I love how you guys call it dormitories. Well, that's it's the it. Air Force. We call it barrack. Barrack dorms, whatever. <laughs> dorms. <laughs> Jason, Jeez. Yeah, yeah dorms. Dorm, dorm, hotels, dorms. Yeah, whatever. Dorm right? life. <laughs> dorm life. <laughs> so you know they would they take your stuff and they throw it all over the place, right? And I don't know if you had you always had these one or two jackasses that came to boot with condoms. Oh yeah, right, <laughs> it, right. Did, did yeah. you see? And and they, man, did would they get chewed? You know what I mean? God, that was that was the funniest. That was you see those. Why the hell are they bringing damn condoms with them? You know? Did you guys? <laughs> yeah. Did you yeah. have that too? Um, I think two. Two guys. Yeah, at least two dudes that do that. Two. Dumb as shit. That's funny. 
So yeah, that, that's- yeah. I, I, I'll tell you another. I'll tell you another great one. We it was it was like maybe the second or third night there when you're still kind of figuring out what's going on. Um, you guys remember? Uh, I don't know if Dan, you did this. James, I'm sure you did. You remember you had fire guard duty? Yeah, we call it dorm guard duty. <laughs> okay, yeah. So we yeah, so, so they yeah. work out a shift, you know, by 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 platoon or by squad, and you know, for everybody does an hour. So it was like the second night there. I get I get like the three to four a.m. shift, right? Which yeah. is like the worst shift you can possibly get. Yeah. So you don't know what's going on. You don't get any block of instruction or anything like that. They're like, "Oh, you just got to go do guard duty." I'm like, "All right, whatever." It doesn't seem like diff- doesn't sound that difficult. So I so I wake up, set my alarm. I wake up. I throw my all my shit on. I get my little flashlight. I go downstairs, and we had a kid who was another reserve in Brooklyn named McGlashan, and uh, he was on. He had the two to three shift. So I'm. I go to relieve him, and he his whole he was like half asleep himself. Yeah. So he didn't really give me much instruction beyond he just said he was like his eyes were half closed. He's like, "Okay, the drill sergeant sleeping in the day room. Don't disturb him under any circumstances. The door's right here. If anybody knocks, you don't let him in, no matter what. Right. And then here's the buffer. Just buff the floor for your hour. That's it. I'm thinking, okay, sounds pretty easy, right? Yeah. So, right. I, I see the buffer, and I, I I had never ever in my life used a buffer before. You know, you know I don't know how common it was for eighteen year olds that I've used a buffer. You like, know? like like the hold on the high school ones, you, you know, coming up the big you know, with the big pad, and you kind of move it back and forth. Is that type yeah, of buffer exactly. you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I see, I've seen it. I've seen like you say the, the janitors in high school. I've seen them doing it. I'm like, doesn't look that hard, right? Right. No. I take the buffer. You know, I'm I'm buffing, and this is man. After about maybe I don't know ten minutes, there's a knock on the door. And it's, uh, so we were fourth platoon. So third platoon, there was this drill sergeant there named Drill Sergeant Emmerich. And this friggin' guy, he's one of these guys, you know, these guys that have the uh, Napoleon complex. Oh yeah. Oh, this guy was, was like five foot two, right? <laughs> like Irish as they come. Looked like a little friggin' leprechaun. Yeah. Had a little mustache, you know? Really? And it, and it was just, he was five foot two and nobody took him seriously. But because of that, like he was, he tried to be harder than everybody, so he was just the biggest asshole because he had a Napoleon complex. Right. You know? So, uh, so he knocks on the door, and of course, you got the little window there, so I can right. see him, and I recognize him as Drill Sergeant Emmerich from Third Platoon, you know. So I go to the window. He's like, "Let me in, Private," and I'm like, uh, "You know, it's my second day in base training, so I'm at parade rest." And I'm like, uh, "Drill Sergeant, I, I was told I'm not supposed to let any open the door for anybody." He's like, "You know who I am, Private?" I'm like, "Roger, Drill Sergeant, you're Drill Sergeant Emmerich from Third Platoon." He's like, "What? Let me the fuck in? You know who I am?" I'm like, Roger, just sign. So I open the door. Oh. Where the fuck did you let me in when you yeah. opened up to open the door? Yep, I can't I've been win. There. So he's like, where the fuck's your drill start? I'm like, oh, he's in the day room, drill start. So he goes in the drill start. He goes in the day room. And, you know, so they're in there for a little bit. So I'm like, okay. So I grab the buffer and I'm, I'm buffing, you know, I'm buffing the floor. And uh, and then those two come out, out of the day room. And they're just kind of standing there, you know, talking, shooting the shit or whatever. And I'm just ignoring them thinking, you know, please, whatever you guys are talking about, just leave me out of this. You yeah, know, I'm gonna trying get, to, yes. you know, just get through this, you know. So I'm sitting there with the buffer. All of a sudden, Joe Star and Emmerich looks, no, Joe Star Albrecht, who was my Joe Star, looks and goes, hey, private. I'm like, fuck. He goes, how the hell can you can you buff with the wheels down on the buffer? <laughs> right? You know, they have wheels. Right. You have to raise them. I, I didn't know. I yeah. had no idea. I didn't. I had, I had no clue. I didn't know. Yeah. So Joe Star and Emmerich, the short guy. Now he wants to play tough guy, you know. So he goes over and he takes his, he takes the buffer and he kicks the wheels up and he's like, "What's your name, Private?" I'm like, "Private Typical Joe Start." Where the fuck are you from, Private? I'm like, "I'm from New Hampshire, Joe Start." What do you do up in New Hampshire? I said, I, I'm, a, "I'm a a college, I'm a college student, Joe Start." And he's like, he looks up Joe Start and Albrecht. He says, "Man, they don't teach these fucking kids anything in base in uh, in uh, in college these days, do they?" And it, of course, I didn't want to say anything because right. you don't want to get in trouble. In my mind, I'm thinking. Oh yeah, you know I'm majoring in janitorial services. <laughs> yeah. I just haven't had the fucking buffer one on one class yet, you know. Right. <laughs> and at that point, you're just digging yourself deeper and deeper in the hole. You let them in. Now you can't. You know you get right. the thing. So, yeah. That, so that was, I just went to parade rest and just said Roger Drill Sergeant. That was it. And you'd take your chewing, right? <laughs> now, hey, did your did your you you call them DIs, right? And you call them DIs, right? Drill instructors. Drill instructors. We call them TIs. Did they uh did they wear the uh the taps on the bottom of their shoes? So. We, 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 and at for us TIs, they, uh, I don't know, it was a thing back then, but they would put taps on their bottom of the shoes, right? So you're sleeping at night and you just hear them walking. Tick, 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 
No, yeah. ours didn't. Yeah, yeah. Our, our, ours never came up in the hall. They, no. they, they, whoever was the overnight guy on duty, they just slept in the day room. No, no, no. They, they, they would stay there. They'd walk through the halls with their, their taps, and you know it was a TI coming, you know, getting ready to chew somebody out because they'd had their taps on. No, so, I wasn't, no, no. No. So we had this one kid. Uh, he was on duty, and he decided, because you, you know how you call it Broadway. You can't walk down Broadway, right? Mm-hmm. But we couldn't walk down the main drag because that's where the TI would. They walked down with their taps, you know. So late at night, you're sleeping. Well, this kid decided he's going to take a bunch of tacks from the wall and just line his boots and just walk. Yeah. And just, you're laying in bed. Oh, he comes to fucking TI, you know. You're some kid with the tacks in his feet just walking up and down the middle. Oh, God. Psychological tear. Yeah. Man, I had fun at boot. You know, there's a lot of good times. I had, a, I had some good times, but yeah. for the most part, it was just getting your ass beat every day. Yeah. Yeah, we got you. I, I remember one night somebody came in and they said, they're like, hey, guys, everybody come in the bathroom, you know, so we go in the bathroom. And so we were, so this was uh, summer of 1990, and it was still, it wasn't co-ed at the time. It was still all male. And then they had a, yeah. we had a female company. We were Alpha Company. We had a, Bravo Company was the female company uh, that went through the same time as us. And they were in the barracks, like right behind us. So we all go to the, we all go in the bathroom, and it's uh, we're looking at, and the girls in the barracks across from us were all like flashing us, you know. Really? And we're so of course we're going crazy. We're all like, yeah. ah, we're you know, ah, this is nice. nice. And we go to bed. Next thing you know, we get woken up at like you know two a.m. Apparently, their drill sergeant somehow found out that that you know what was going on, and he came over and complained to our drill sergeant that we were like gawking at his yeah. girls or whatever. So we got dragged out. out at, we got it dragged out at two a.m. for friggin' grass drills in the friggin' rain, <laughs> and then come to find out later on, I won't go in the whole story because it's a long, long story. But we found out later on that that friggin' drill sergeant was brought up on charges for sleeping with half of this friggin' company of females. Really, Like that's probably why he complained. Is yeah, because he, he didn't like us gawking at his women. Yeah, they, they were sharing the wealth, and he didn't want it to happen. <laughs> No, we, 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 we were all guys. We didn't have it. I think we were the last, the last, uh, 37 first to have, uh, just all dudes. We didn't have a mix. You, did you guys have uh, WMs with, with you? They, with, with they, you? they were on Paris Island, but they had their own, they were fourth battalion. Yeah. They were like way the fuck out. Like, so it wasn't co-ed? No, but if they were marching anywhere like near us, yeah. anywhere close, we had to hold our nose. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hold, really? Yeah. yeah, we had to hold our nose. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I hold your nose. <laughs> yeah, we had to hold our nose. <laughs> That's awesome. But <clears throat> no, we we, mm. we we didn't we we were the last last one was just all guys, so we didn't have that. We we weren't lucky enough to get flashed, you know. Yeah. So you, you got lucky. <laughs> um, now, Rick, when the last, uh, you know, when we what not too long ago, I reached out to you. It's been years since we talked, you know, since high school, um, and. Uh, you brought up an interesting story to us, and I didn't know. I mean, you found out that we were from Lakeland, and mm-hmm. um, you uh, you let me know that you had a, a good buddy from Mulberry, um, and and I didn't know this. And um, I, his name was Daniel Ferguson, correct? Yeah, yeah. And um, <clears throat> old Danny, old Danny, and and you 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 knew him while you were what stationed in Germany? <clears throat> yeah. So we. Um... So I, when I became a, a VA civilian, it was up in uh, uh, Heidelberg, Germany, from 2006 to 2008. And uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry if I get a little choked up when I talk about him. He's no, that's fine. Still, all these years later, still really gets me. Um, so he uh, he worked. He came to work with us. He was E7. He was a he was a transporter. What we in the army call a transporter, 80 in November, transportation guy, and. Uh, he seemed, you know, he seemed like a nice guy, real sort of shy and quiet. And we happened to be chatting one day, and, and we lived on the hub, in Heidelberg. Uh, we lived on the Hauptstrasse, which is the main main street of the of the town, which is a pedestrian only street. Right. And there's an Irish pub there called the Dubliner. And uh, you know, I was that was like my second home. I was there all the time. I take Xavier, my oldest one, X Man, we call him. He was still a kid. He was only ooh, like uh, I don't know, five, six, not even five. He was like four years old at the time. Yeah. I would take him there every Saturday. We watch soccer, I'd watch rugby, you know, all the time. I'm a soccer fanatic. I have I've been pretty much my whole life. So, right. um, so one day I happened to be talking to Danny, you know, and I, I, I mentioned to him, I, he somehow he, soccer came up, and he mentioned that he was he liked soccer and he liked Manchester United was his team. 
And I said, well, you know, if you ever want to come down on a weekend, you know, some weekend, we go to the pub all the time. So he's like, yeah, I'll go down. His, he was married at the time. His wife was deployed. So he was, you know, alone by, for for that year. So he came down that weekend and, and uh, we watched soccer. And, you know, thank God, we were at the pub several hours and stuff. And, and uh, it was the first time I'd seen him out of uniform. His, his arms were massive. I mean, he was a huge, yeah. just a gym rat. You know, his arms were, were huge. Right. And, uh, and it was funny. I, I, I learned that first time, you know, he would, he would eat, but I learned he hates vegetables. He wouldn't eat any of his vegetables, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I invited him over. I said, well, Hey, you know, we, I live down the street, Virginia's my wife's a great cook. If you want to come over, he's like, yeah, sure. So he came over and we had Xavier with us. You know, like I said, Xavier's probably four years old at the time. And they just, he, Danny just, that's what we called him. Well, we called him. So his last name was Ferguson, right? And Xavier at the time had had trouble saying Ferguson, so he called him Fergusy, you know. Fergusy. So he just became known as Fergusy to, to our family. Yeah. And it, yeah. It, you know, long story short, he ended up coming down like every weekend, even during the weeknight sometimes, because like I said, his wife was deployed, and he would, you know, Virginia would cook, and he'd have dinner with us, and and he just became like part of the family, and he just loved Xavier, I and mean, they just hit it off. Sometimes we he'd come down to the pub with us on the weekends, and. And he wouldn't even watch the, the, the rugby or the soccer. He'd just be playing the whole time with Xavier. Xavier just loved him. I, we, we used to say it was Xavier's first first best friend, you know? Yeah. And uh, and so we were, you know, for a couple of years there, it was just constant. He was always over in this, this and that. And, and then uh, I got a job back in Italy, so I went down there. And uh, <clears throat> he PCS to uh, Fort Hood. And then he, you know, he, uh, 49th Transportation Battalion is where he went. And he deployed back to Afghanistan. And while he was in 49th Trans, uh, you know, he, he had gotten divorced since then and it didn't work out with his, his first wife. Usually um, the, usually military marriages don't work yeah. out, right? Well, actually, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was actually his second wife. I yeah. think he was married as a young soldier, like an E-4, had a daughter with her. Mm-hmm. Um, so and she still lives in your area somewhere. Anyway, so, um, so yeah, he... So we were in Italy, and, and I remember him and him and a, before he before he PCS him and another friend of ours, Monty. You know, they came down to Italy. They came down to visit us and, and spent the weekend with us. And, and you know, it was great. It was like old times. You know, him and Xavier just he took him everywhere, carried him on his shoulders everywhere. And Xavier was so happy, played with him all weekend. And it was it was just, I mean, if I could just wax poetic for a second, I just I remember when they were leaving. And he was walking. He went to walk out the door, and Xavier just was so upset he didn't want him to leave that he like uh, grabbed onto his leg you know yeah and he's yeah. like no i'm not gonna let you leave Ferguson. And, you know Ferguson's like no i gotta go buddy he's like, i gotta go buddy you know i'll see you again i'll see you again right and it was i just looking back and it's just so sad to me but anyway so yeah he pcs and went to afghanistan he came back so while he was at 49 trans you know he met a girl Kristen, who was a little younger than him but uh she's a local girl she's from holbrook mass Really? Uh, big Sox, Patriots, Bruins, Celtics, fan of all that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it seemed like he was happy and he, he got engaged to her. And he was, so the plan was, uh, he was about the PCS to Hawaii. She was going to get out. She was an E4. He was an E7. Um, they, they were about, he was set to PCS to Hawaii. She was going to get out. They were going to get married. She was going to go to school in Hawaii. Right. Um, and then, uh, I'll, I'll never forget. It was it was 2014, and, and when the, the Fort Hood shooting happened, the second one, right. and you know, it's almost like we're—I don't know what the word is. Almost like immune to these things now. It's like yeah. it, it almost seems like they're so commonplace that when you hear about it, you're just like, oh Jesus, another one, you know? Another mass shoot, yeah. Not in a million years do you ever think something like that would affect someone that you know, you know? Right. Um. So I didn't really think of anything of it when I first heard about it. You know, a day went by, and then all of a sudden, I remember I was on Facebook, and Xavier was going to the Italian school at the time, which is in our town. Mm-hmm. And I had to go pick him up at 3 o'clock. And so it was the afternoon. I happened to be home that day for something. And I remember I was scrolling through Facebook, and I remember I was friends with Danny's fiance, Krista, on Facebook. And I, right. I saw that people were putting messages on her on her Facebook, you know, like, you know, are you okay? Are you okay? I heard, is anything, is anything, da, da, da. and I thought, oh my God, was that Kristen's unit? And then I thought, Jesus Christ, if it's her unit, it's Danny's unit. Yeah. So I, I started messaging Danny frantically, you know, Danny, are you, I, I just, you know, are you okay? Are you okay? And I wasn't getting any answer, mm. but I figured, you know, part of me was like, well, I mean, not everybody's on Facebook all the time. Right. Uh, 
so I, you know, I, then I messaged her, I, you know, and I was like, Kristen, I, you know, I, I, is everything okay? Are you and Danny okay? And I'll never forget. She responded. She just said, call me. And I was like, oh, jeez. So I, I called her and I, and I got on the phone with her. And I, I remember I was in the bedroom and Virginia was taking a nap in the afternoon like she always mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I got on the phone with her and, I already knew what she was going to say, but it's like, just, I didn't want to hear it, you know? Absolutely. And then, uh, you know, when she confirmed that it was him, I just said, I'm sorry, Chris, I have to go. I, I hung up the phone. I just yeah, buried my head in Virginia's arms and I cried like I never cried before. Jeez, I couldn't believe it was Danny, you know? Right, right. And then the worst part was I had to go pick up Xavier at school, you know, in like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I'm trying to keep it together. I'm trying to maintain my composure, you know? Yeah. And I, I walked to the school and it's all the, because the way the Italian schools are, is, you know, all the parents congregate outside, you know, they wait for the kids to come out. So I'm having to stay in all the Italians and I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to keep it together, you know, but I'm losing, right, right. I'm feeling miserable, you know, and everybody's kind of looking at me at the corner of my eye, like, what the hell's wrong with this guy, you know? And then I'm, I picked them up and I took them out and we're walking home and I'm thinking, how the hell am I going to tell this yeah, kid? He's 10 right. years old, you know? Yeah, yeah. How do you explain ten freaking years old, and I got to tell him that his best friend, you know. And I, I just, I couldn't hold it in. I just kept. He could tell something was wrong. He's like, you know, Daddy, why are you crying all the way home? And I was like, oh, we'll talk about it when you get home. Right. You know, so we get home, and I, I couldn't really tell him, so I just kind of turned on CNN where they were covering it, and I watched it, and, and then they, they showed his name, and he kind of looked at me, and mm-hmm. ah, that poor kid, ten year old, ten years old, and he just lost it, you know, yeah, just broke down. <clears throat> Just broke down. And I, 10 years old, I don't think he really understood it. He's right. never had anybody. He's never lost anybody, you know? Right. And it, but, it's uh, tough to understand it now, you know? It, it still is. And I, and it, it still, I go through the gamut of emotions. I get, I mean, I'm just upset, but I, I it pisses me off because the, the kid, the, the kid that did it, it was a mental health thing. Yeah. You know? And yeah. So and many it, years of, of, of sending these, 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 these kids to Iraq and Afghanistan. The government still hasn't figured out what to do with these kids in the, in the mental health, you know? Yeah. And, and that, you know, you bring up the mental health part of it. And, you know, the, you know, this is where a lot of that money should needs to go to is helping yeah. these guys, helping these ladies, yeah. you, you know, I mean, with the mental health aspect of it, you know? And, yeah. um, you know, he went, you know, this kid went one way of, of taking out a bunch of people versus taking on himself. And it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's still, he needed the help. And then people got... You know what I mean, and and it's it needs to be fixed. It needs to be worked on, you so, know. But but the thing that I want, the thing that I wanted, I want to say most of all, because I, I want, and I've, I've always said, I said I'll tell, I'll, I'll shout this from the freaking mountaintops. I want everybody to know what a hero Danny was. It, what happened was they were they were in like a classroom uh, in a building, and this guy went in and he started shooting. And when they heard the shots, Ferguson heard, you know, they all heard the shots, and they were all looking at each other like, "What the fuck?" Right. And according to eyewitnesses that were there, Ferguson took charge and he said, everybody get the hell down. The, the door in that room they were in had no lock on it. Mm-hmm. So my buddy held that door closed and propped his body against the door closed. Mm-hmm. And the guy came and tried to get in and he held it closed so he couldn't get in. So the kid shot through the door like three times. Mm-hmm. And that's how Ferguson got shot. And he held that goddamn door closed. Yeah. With every last ounce of strength he had until he passed away, and then until that kid gave up and moved on. moved on. And if he didn't do that, there will probably be twenty or thirty more people who were killed that day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's Amazing. a hero. Yeah, that is absolutely. You know. So yeah, so I I remember when I, you know, just just to kind of bring it around and, and, and tie it up is, I, I knew you were in Florida, and I knew you were somewhere near Tampa, right? And I knew that, uh, you know, when, when I looked up your. I saw that you were in Bar- Barto, is it? Correct. Yeah, Barto. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, I wonder what, what exactly that is. So when I looked it up and I looked at it and I saw, holy shit, that's right next door to Mulberry and that's Danny's hometown. Yeah. That's why I had to let you know. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I don't know if you've ever seen me talk about this guy on Facebook, but he's from the next town over from you. I think yeah. he, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's buried in Lakeland. Yeah. I'm hoping someday yeah. when I go back to the States, I, it's one of my things I got to do before I die. I want to make right. a trip down there and. Because I never really got a chance to, to say goodbye to him, you know. But, Absolutely. But, yeah. uh, you know, hopefully I'll, hopefully I'll get a chance to come by there and then I'll swing by and we'll have some beers together. After. For sure. Yeah. Now, you yeah. did send me the article and, and I believe um, what I was reading is they did dedicate the uh, post office to him as well there in, in Mulberry. 
Yeah, the you know? post office in Mulberry, and is also the uh, the building where it happened. Uh, the Forty Nine Friends uh, building is now the Daniel M. Ferguson Memorial uh, Center. I think something like that. So yeah, you know, it's 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 nice that they they do that, but it's it's just I'd, I'd rather see them really start to kind of take this mental health issue more seriously. Absolutely, there's a lot of kids coming back that that I mean, it's like Vietnam or World War Two. It's everything else. Yeah. These kids coming back, they 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 can't handle it. You gotta, yeah. the government's gotta start taking better care of these kids. You know. Yeah, and and you know, I, I and I was watching. I, I hate watching news. I really do. I usually typically watch Newsy. I don't know if you ever heard of Newsy. I I don't watch the yeah, ABC. It, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, anyways, they did an article on. Um, well, they did a thing on. Um, I was just watching it, and I guess now the Taliban. They they pretty much everything that all these for the past X amount of years, 20 years that we fought for to get back is gone. Now it's back in Taliban's hand. And so, you you know, as as a, as a a soldier and you're sitting there and you got no legs and you're like, you know what I mean? You're looking out at your legs and they're gone because of what you did. And then now it's gone. What did I do this for? You know, like what was it for? What was it for? I saw a figure today. I saw a figure today, $2.2 trillion that war in Afghanistan cost us. Yeah. And, and and right now it's it, it's pretty much all back in Taliban's hands, and it's like, oh, what, you know, I mean, you look. I was watching the news, and it seemed like they're taking, they're gaining control, you know, more and more control now. Yeah. In yeah. Afghanistan, Taliban. Yeah. So so now you. And, 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 the, and the sad thing is, you knew you knew it. You knew it as soon as the U.S. pulled out, that was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, now uh, you're struggling I, with PTSD. Now you're struggling with mental health, and th- and then this happens. Like oh, all that work we did is for nothing. You know, it, it's it's very disheartening. It's very you know, disheartening. You know, you know, it's like, like you said, well, what was it for? Yeah. Yeah. Guys coming home, you know, not right yeah. from what they've experienced overseas in war. Yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah. I can only imagine. And like I said, you know, like you said, we need to take some of that money. Absolutely. And really dig into mental health. Yeah. Now, I know there's... um there's an article I was reading, or, or is it there? There's actually, um, uh, for the PTSD, they're actually looking at, I forget the name of it. I, I'll look it back up, but they're actually looking at doing injections into the neck, right? And what it does, it takes, it, it relieves that fight, fight or flight portion of your brain and it relaxes you and it kind of takes away that, um, that portion of the, the PTSD, that fight or flight for the PTSD. And I was like, well, that's pretty interesting. You know, would I do that? Would I take injections into my neck to, to, to relieve me of, you know, the pain of this PTSD? I, I think I would. It's just another option that, that's given to us, you know, to, uh, like I said on that other podcast, is you got to find something. Is it hiking? Is it writing? Is it dancing? Is it medication? You know, you just got to continue to try the next step. You, you know what I mean? You, you have to, you just can't give up. You know, and, and I, and I'm saying that as, I mean, I don't suffer from PTSD, but I've seen it and I, you don't want people, you don't want to see you know, your fellow soldier, your fellow airmen suffer from that. You know, you, you want to be part of helping them, you know, well, at least I do, you know, and it sounds like you do too, Rick, you know, yeah. so. it's important. I mean, it's, it's not, not very dissimilar to, to Vietnam when those guys came back. It's kind of the same thing. Right. I think we just have a responsibility to. To our soldiers, if you're going to ask them to go overseas and and, and face those kind of those kind of things, then you you better be prepared to, to help them deal with them when they get back. You know, absolutely. I mean, I, I've seen I've, I've seen some I've seen some pretty bad stuff myself. You know, yeah. and I it's you know it's 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 not easy. You know, and you no. you don't know where to go with it. Sometimes you don't. It's yeah. not something you really want to talk about. I mean, right? You know, I I you know it's it's just it's just one of those things you you. You just, you, it's not easy to reach out for help. And, and we owe, we owe these kids, you know, we owe, we owe them everything that, that we can give them. You right. Know? right. Well, I mean, not to make light of it, but I, I do got something for you that you can do. You know, I mean, you're, you're, you're an avid blogger, right? You know, you like to write, you like to drink, but I, I think one of the things, that, one of the things that I like right now that you're doing is, um, Rick, when he does something, he puts everything into it, right? Right. Everything. Writing. Everything. You know, and and right now he's like big into what the the keto diet, and yeah, I, I, huh? You you loving it, aren't you? Right, cooking. Yeah, I I like it because it's uh the beauty of the keto diet is you don't really have to sacrifice your you know your your flavors. 
right. got to give up some carbs, which which sucks. I can't I can't eat pizza or pasta, which I love. But oh, that's tough. <clears throat> there's so many other things that you can you can eat. <laughs> right. I made a, I made one tonight that was you, you what? Yeah, really. Yeah, especially fifteen being in years. Italy. 15, fifteen years in Italy. It's it's yeah. It's hard to give yeah, up that tough. stuff. Well, yeah. well, you know, I, I know I've mentioned this to you before, but you know, he's always putting pictures, always come up with his own recipes, and I'm like, dude, you just need to, nice. you just need to YouTube that, yeah, you know, watching him cook, yeah. you, you know what I mean, like a Gordon Ramsay, yeah, like a Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> no, my, no, my, no. Let's just get this straight right now. My wife is Gordon Ramsay. Oh, okay. my <laughs> wife is the real, my wife is the real cook of the family. Yeah. And when I first started, when I first a few years ago decided I wanted, I wanted to kind of dabble in cooking a little bit because I thought it was interesting. I had her as my teacher, but I'm like, I don't think I want her teaching me anymore. She's too mean. She's like <laughs> she's, Ramsey, this one. Oh, she's worse than a than a DI. <laughs> yeah, she's she's mean. She's she's yeah, she's, she's literally going Ramsey because she's, she's very strict when it comes to uh, in the kitchen. So yeah, donkey. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, an idiot sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's right. well, maybe so. I I guess you can't do the the the, uh, the YouTube channel together, but uh, yeah, I, I'd watch. Well, that. I thought about it. I. I thought about. I, thought, I even told my wife sometime. I thought. I said, you know, you and I should do one where, like, you're the expert cooker and I'm the novice. I think I, I think we play well off each other. But yeah. ah, she's too shy. However, you know, I, it, you're not the only one. A few people have mentioned to me lately about doing like a YouTube type thing, and I thought. I think part of the reason I don't is because I'm not. I'm not really good at this. All the video editing software, but uh, I did a. When we were in Korea before we came here, I did. Uh, I make my own pesto, as you know, and. Uh, I will say, at the risk of being immodest, and I think my pesto is the best I've ever had. All right. Um, and, and a lot of people tell me the same, even people who have been to Italy. Wow. Because I do it the real way, the way the old world does it, with a pestle and mortar, wow. you know, my forearm screaming, grinding everything together. It goes all out. And, uh, all out, like you said. And so, yeah, and so I, you know, I, I did a YouTube video when I was, while I was in Korea because I thought, you know, let, me, let me try this. So I did yeah. a YouTube video of how I make the pesto, and my oldest one, Xavier, the one who just graduated, he knows how to use the video editing software, so he sort of spliced it together and it came out pretty good. So I thought maybe I might ask him, maybe Absolutely. you know, flip him a couple bucks or something, yeah. uh, and say, "Hey, you know, if I do these videos, would you edit them for me, and then maybe I can do some of these kind of things?" You know, I, I need a hobby like that. Absolutely, I, I'm in desperate need of a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we, I mean, you can only drink so much, I guess. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, and if I'm on keto, I'm not supposed to drink, so I gotta. Yeah. Well, you've been enjoying that wine. What kind of wine you got? So uh, tonight I am enjoying a Tomasi Raphael Valpolicella Classical Superiore. Right. Uh, Vendemia 2018. Vendemia is the vintage. Uh, when we lived in Italy, for those who don't know me, um, I know a lot of our friends have watched this, but uh, for those who don't know me, uh, we lived in, I lived in Italy a total of about 15 years. Right. And we were, I was in Vicenza, which is close to Verona. And right just north of Verona is the Valpolicella region, which is one of the best wine regions in the world. If you ever had Valpolicella, Amarone, stuff like that, that's where it's made. Um, so yeah, this is well, like a little sip of home. This is like a little sip of home for me. So. Is it now? My experience with it, with wine is, look, if we buy this box of wine, it will last a full week. We don't have to drink one every night, and it will stay fresh. And yeah, you know, the cab. And I'm doing the barefoot. And you're doing barefoot. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you, maybe you can send us a bottle. Yeah, so we can do a taste test. Yeah, we need a taste test because I'm drinking box wine and he's drinking, you know, nine ninety nine, nine ninety nine barefoot. <laughs> so and it tastes pretty damn good to be, me because the wine you just hey. rattled off was like a full paragraph. I had no clue what the heck you hey, just said. As long as it's not Boone's Farm or Mad Dog Twenty Twenty. Oh, know. that was back in my teens, yeah, early twenties. Right, that Mad Dog Twenty Twenty. Well, uh, yeah. it's vicious. Yes. Yeah. All right, so um, I know we're uh, we've been on for a while, um, Rick, and I'm sure you got to get back to the family. Um, it's it's late there. What what is it, about eight o'clock down there uh, up there in Germany? Or uh, there it Germany? is uh, it is 18:24 military time, 6:24 p.m. for okay. non-military time. Okay, so it's Dan, be- I have to show you something. All right, go ahead. So you'll love this. All right. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure the other two there, since they're not from New England, have heard of this. But Uh-oh. I went to one of our local grocery stores uh, a couple of days ago, and they have like an international section. We have like you know Mexico, a couple, and they have a section called America, All right. where they have you know like American food, yeah. and it's all it's all like you know candy and friggin' you know crap stuff, whatever. Joke. But you'll never guess what I found there. Something I've been wanting to introduce my kids to for a long time. You ready? Go ahead. Oh baby, heck yeah, fluff. 
Hey, fl- so Fluffinutter. Fluffinutter, baby. Fluffinutter. Have you I've ever had a fluffinutter? Fluffinutter. <laughs> you got to have a fluffinutter. What the hell is yeah, that? Yeah, so I've been my, Jeez, I'm, I've pro. been telling my kids about the fluffinutter for years. Yeah. And so I brought this home, and as soon as I brought it home, Max was like, oh, "We can have a fluffinutter." Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's the greatest yeah. thing ever. Yeah. yeah. You oh. never had a fluffinutter? It's a it's a peanut butter sandwich instead of jelly. You put the fluff in it. It's a marshmallow fluff. But it has to be. Fluff. It has to be fluff. Marshmallow fluff. They, they have generic brands, but no, yeah. it has to be fluff. It's yeah. got to be the real thing. Now, I think if you look on that container you just said, it'll give you directions on how to make a fluff nutter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Says yep. it right there. Yep. If you look, wait, where's the camera? Yeah, see? Fluff nutter. <laughs> oh. that, that's a New England thing. Except, except yeah, except you, you've been away from New England too long, Dan. It's not a fluff nutter. It's a fluff nutter. Fluff nutter. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, getting it going in the military, I think I did lose my accent a bit, but you know, that's all right. Well, Leo you know, I, 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 no. I think I think I've actually lost most of my accent, but people tell me all the time as soon as I open my mouth, they're like, "You're from Boston, aren't you?" I'm like, "Yeah, pretty close." I'm from Boston North. That's yeah. what they call Nashua. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and um, just I, I know we uh, I got a you know high school friend. Remember Eileen Jakes? Remember Eileen? Oh, yeah. So she sent me a message like a couple of days after we did our last podcast. And uh, I guess she's going to turn into our new fact check because she said, uh, hey, I just want to let you know, I did a little research and that yellow card conversation you guys had. Yeah. It's not right. It's a myth. It's I'm a like, myth. It's a myth. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. What? James told me it was. It's it on was. the internets. On the internets, right? So I'm like, you know what? It's also on the Snoops. Uh, I'm going to Snoops. <laughs> you got to go to Snoops. And you sent me that. I, and- I, I, I went to Snoops and it says, yes, it's a myth. So the whole yellow card conversation we had was uh, a waste of time. Yeah, I, was, I was scrolling the internet, and I'm like, this might be a good subject. Guys covered it well. There's yeah. no such thing as the yellow card in, in, in uh, boot camp anymore. Because we never had it. Yeah, we didn't. But if they if they did, we we uh, made some good yeah, we, 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 interjections. Yeah. Like, did did you, hear, you ever hear about the yellow card, Rick? Uh, the yellow card, no. I did hear of stress cards, but I never – I we, we heard about them like they were coming, I remember, years ago. Right. Because I went to basic in 1990, so this is well before. I think probably the same year as you. Yeah. And this is so they, we heard like maybe five years later that they were coming, but I never got the confirmation that they were actually a thing or that they happened. No, and, and I, what, what I think what, what happened, what I was reading is that in the Navy they 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 had a, they would hand out cards, and it was a stress. If you if you have stress, these are good places to go to. This is who you want to talk to. You know what I mean? You, you didn't flash it. You just a, a car that says, okay, this is where, you know, if you, if you go talk to your chaplain, go talk to the, you know what I mean, to relieve your stress. It was more of a, a mental health, trying to go combat the mental health ahead of time. It, it wasn't a okay. card you can stop during boot camp. So then that just progressed to the whole myth. I gotcha. you, you know how things work. So. so I got a question for James. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> um, obviously, I'm not going to ask this for Danny because you're Air Force. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but James, when you you went to boot camp, what year? Ninety six. I went ninety six. Ninety six. Uh, did you? I know obviously it wasn't allowed, but did you have anybody in boot camp that, that with the TIs? The t- did they hit anybody physical? Um, well, yeah. we we had a few jack a couple recruits up, yeah, but not physically okay. like punch them. But they, now, they they your DI would do that, or you guys did that? Um, we had one guy hit a guy because yeah. he was getting made fun of because he had a piss but we had some <laughs> drill instructors yeah they, yeah, they, they, the they dude would, that stood trust from each other yeah <laughs> so yes we had a few that okay yeah i've been curious about that because we did in 1990 we had we had like two real knuckleheads that the drill sergeants took them out for private one-on-one counseling and yeah they beat the shit out of them wow but yeah. I, that was 1990 when and it was a surprise that it even happened back then because you know obviously it was one supposed to happen right but i know you went through a little later on 96 i was just curious if yes. it still happened in 96 yeah. and you were so yeah well from what i saw from you know my platoon yeah it happened a few times yeah i, I think with, with us they weren't supposed to cuss at us i think that was the biggest thing <laughs> That's, where I, that's where I learned cussing. Uh, they, could, they, they were like, oh, you can't cuss at, you can't cuss at them. Yeah. That's where I learned my second language. <laughs> no. no. I grew yeah. I, I learned that language from my grandfather. Grandpa. My Pepe. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I got a meme and a Pepe. Right? Yeah. yeah, I had a meme and Pepe, absolutely. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> but, yeah. But, like I said, I, I, I know it's getting late out there, and I, and I think, what, where we at, Jason? Where we at here? 50 minutes. That's pretty much how long we go, you know? 
I, I wish we could keep it going. Um, I'm sure we could probably talk for about three or four hours. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> come come back on. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and you you don't want to come back on. Yeah. Especially when, when you come back and vi- when you come out here and visit. You know, we'll uh, we got a place for you to stay. So when I so when I go there in person, I'm bringing the wine. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Nice. You know, and you, I, I should probably send you some beer, you know, and I know you're in Germany, but I, I'm not a big fan of German beer, you, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, we, you know, it's funny. We talked about this. Germany is like probably the most famous country in the world for beer, but my, for my money, Belgium is number one for beer. England and Ireland, well, the whole UK is number, is number two, but yeah. like really? far and away better than Germany. Uh, here's not- the thing with German beer. I'll tell you, here's the thing with German beer. There's not a lot of variety in German beer, right? Mm. But the whole thing behind it is, like, every little town has their own brewery. Right. And so right. all the beer you get is local. If you get the local beer, it's all brewed fresh. Right. And so the taste is just unbelievable. But there's just not a, a lot of variety. It's like oh, pills, okay. lager, okay, yeah. you know, vice beer, stuff like that. No, no. That's, that's why German beer is, you know. Yeah. Now, I know you said you spent most of your time in Europe, and, you know, you, you, you were in South Carolina for a little bit. But I'm telling you um, – a lot has changed with, with the microbreweries here in the States. There, there's oh, yeah. our local brewery is probably the best I've ever been to. You know, I'm not just saying because of mm-hmm. a local brewery, but you know, they, they, he, they have about eight, 15, 16 different beers that they brew themselves, different types. I mean, it, it just from sours to the Heffenweisers to the, to, to the porters to the, I mean, <clears throat> they do all of them. So it, the, the States is changing. It is. Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, I want to point out, by the way, for for, so for those who don't know, uh, the only two and a half years that I lived in the States since 1998, I was at the same duty station that Leo was at, yeah, Carolina right. Air Force Base in South Carolina. Yep. Oh, yep. Leo. Oh, Leo. But, oh, but, Leo. That, but, was uh, the best, that was the best episode ever. He was awesome. Man, he reminded me so much of my own Pepe. Yeah. <laughs> but but when Rick was there, he wasn't running people over on the uh, sidewalk. Oh, like he was. Leo was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rick. I appreciate you coming on with us and sharing your story. Um, it, 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 it was it was a wonderful story, and he is a true hero. Um, yes. at least in our eyes, right? Correct. So, um, we, we, well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, and I I, I relish every opportunity I can to spread the word about Danny. I, it's just someone that I I hope the, the country never forgets. You know, everything he gave. You know, he's a hero. Absolutely. Yes, yes he is. And we'll do our best to continue that on for you. All right, bud. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll check in with you later. All right. All right. All right. Hold on. Is that the Air All Force right. one? All right. We gotta, yeah, you got to suffer through the Air Force. Just like me. <laughs> I suffered through worse. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Uh.